Okay, so this should be a fun one. Uh, welcome back, Providence POV. It's Joe and Peter with you as always. We're uh, coming with you with a curveball today. It's Sunday, January 14th. We normally record on Mondays, but changing it up this week, you'll still be listening to this Tuesday morning. But <clears throat> we're coming to you the morning after uh, Providence completes its four-game losing streak, uh, topped off with a boat race loss at home to Xavier. This was a Xavier team that came into the Amica Mutual Pavilion boasting a healthy 7-8 and eight record, 1-4 and four in conference play with some really, really, really bad home losses. Uh, this is a Xavier team that is not as good as they played yesterday. Um, and a Providence team that is, you know, I don't even know if limping is the right word. We're just like dead in a ditch right now based on the way we played yesterday. <laughs> Peter, what's going on? How you doing? How was your day yesterday? How's your Sunday morning? Uh, Sunday morning is not great. Yesterday was fun. Um, got to watch some NFO games. Uh, when I mean fun, I mean outside of the Providence Friars ruining a little bit of portion of my Saturday. Uh, but thank God for the NFL kind of takes you away from the misery that uh, Providence basketball is right now. And yeah, it was, it's there. You said in the ditch right now, and that's probably a good way to put it They're They're reeling. And you and I talked about this maybe potentially a couple weeks ago, just the after effects of Bryce Hopkins. I don't think you and I ever kind of saw this coming in this type of way. Look, do we think they were going to win the, all these four games? No, that's not always realistic in the Big East. I would not have thought we would have got – we would have after, during obviously including the Seahawks loss, lost four in a row and a couple losses that sting a little. And yesterday just kind of felt like they were close against Seahawks, obviously – they kind of were close against Creighton. Creighton pulled away a little bit at the end. The score may be a little closer than I think um, the final score is. And then they were really close against St. John's. And then tomorrow, I mean, tomorrow, yesterday, on Saturday, it felt like everything was gone. And it just the building, the life out of the building was sucked out of the like, – everything Everything just went wrong in that second half or towards the end of the first half for the Flyers. Yep. And they're in a position where they're – we're going to obviously talk about, but they're going to have to win some games that maybe you and I, when we did our season predictions, didn't think they were – going to have to be able to win or we didn't think they were yep. going to win those games. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hit the nail on the head. I mean, ironically enough, when I did my season predictions, I chalked up uh, back-to-back losses at Creighton and at St. John's because like you and I said off air, those are losses that you can stomach. Rick Pitino is leading the Johnnies. They, they, if they won yesterday, they would have likely been ranked tomorrow afternoon. Um, they also they got hosed at the end of that game, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, Rick Pitino's got the Johnnies in a good spot. Creighton is really consistent at home. Um, and even, you know, it, I didn't include this in my preseason prediction, but you can stomach a four-point loss, an upset loss at home to a surging Seton Hall team, right? You can stomach that because Seton Hall, since that loss, has put in the body of work to prove that they are a legit contender in this conference. What you can't stomach is letting Xavier come into your home building and just kicking your damn teeth in like, Mm -hmm. and being absolutely lifeless in the second half, Um, you know, home court advantage. I don't know what national media correspondent put that out there back in January, but whoever the hell you are, 
F you because you jinxed us. And now we're, we're 0 and 4 in 2024 and 0 and 2 at home. And, you know, ironically enough, Providence's last four home losses come to the same two teams. Seton Hall's got two wins at the, at the dunk and Xavier's got two wins at the dunk. So maybe it's just a, a blip in the matrix, but uh, I don't think so. I just, I think we're playing really shitty right now. Um, and, you know, this is where the loss of Bryce Hopkins is really starting to, you know, rear its ugly face, right? Like guys look gassed, guys aren't rebounding. There is a lack of production on offense. And we knew this was going to happen eventually. Devin Carter can't have 31 points every game. Devin Carter can't single-handedly scrape and scratch and claw the team's way back from these 15, 18, 20-point deficits every single game. Other guys got to step up. And, you know, guys like Jaden Pierre, who had 10 first-half points, like, you need to do more in the second half. Guys like Josh Oduro, who might not have his touch as good as it is, like, you got to step up a little bit more. Like, ticket gains, you got to step up a little bit more. Like, this can't be the Devin Carter show the rest of the way, because if it is, uh, I, in full honesty, think that we might not win more than two more games the rest of the season if things continue the way that they did that second half against Xavier. Yeah, this team is obviously – obviously, it's a whole new system, right? Obviously, everyone knows, obviously, it's Kim English's team, and it's Kim English's team for the future, obviously. So this team is kind of put together with former players that were on the team with Ed Cooley and recruits some transfers that came with Kim English, right? And I just think we're seeing a group of guys that are, that are not gelling as a team. They just – it's – it, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, Joe, but this team reminds me, and I'm going to throw out the COVID year Cooley team because COVID is, was a mess, right? Yeah. All fans, all stuff. So I always throw that year out, right? For the most part, depending what sport. But the 2018-2019 Friars that finished 18-16 and 16 overall, 7-11 in the Big East, yep. lost in the first round of the NIT to Arkansas. This team reminds me of that type of team, right? Yep. Like the, a young David Duke on that team with a young A.J. Reeves on that team. Yep. And then you have some older players in Alpha Diallo and et cetera. I, it just feels like that team where we know they're talented because I don't I don't think this team's not talented what per se. I just don't know as a collective unit that all their all their strengths and weaknesses combined with all the players and all their games that they bring to the court is working right now. Cause well, I think Josh Adoro had a really good game. I think he had a, one of his better uh, games in the big East, but obviously we talked about this in our pregame show. Xavier's not, doesn't have Fremantle, right? So we expected Adoro to have a great game. Yep. There <clears throat> was really good. And then he was really bad. And it was just a tale of two ass for Jaden Pierre. Galway Dual, after I thought he had one of his better performances of the year against St. John's, put up probably his worst performance yep. of the year. Devin Carter was good, but he still struggled shooting, and it's going to happen. Nine threes, two for nine with a lot of shots. He mm-hmm. was six for 17. He struggled. And I think we have to start probably having the conversation with two players here, Corey Floyd Jr. and Ticket Gaines. I like Ticket Gaines. I don't know if he's a Big East-level basketball player. I just – he can't create his own shot. And if his three is not falling, he doesn't do as much as I originally thought. He's a good defender, but he has that slight build. So I don't know if he fits Big East play. And I think Corey Floyd Jr. 
is not a big East level basketball player at the moment. One for five from the field again, uh, three points. He's been having probably, he's probably been the most disappointing player on this team. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I think those two players with the loss of Bryce Hopkins were the two players that you probably needed to step out, step up. And I just don't know if they're both big East players. And in a season where you can't just go trade for a guy, it's not mm-hmm. how the college basketball works. I don't know if we have those that guy, these guys on the roster right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, I, a ticket, I, I, ticket's an energy guy, right? He mm-hmm. is one of those vocal leaders. You can see it in the huddles. You can see it, excuse me, in the timeouts. Um, ticket's an energy guy, but I think you're right when you say that when he steps up to the physicality of the Big East, it, it's he struggles, and I think. To give him to be fair to Ticket, he's playing the four now, which was previously held by Bryce Hopkins, who I don't know their exact size and weight, but Ticket's a lot uh, a lot lighter than Hopkins, and now mm-hmm. Ticket's banging around with the power forwards, and Ticket's clearly not a power forward. He is a shooting. I, I don't want to call him a shooting guard, but I don't also don't want to call him a wing because he's not thick. He he's a shooting wing. If it like that's the best way I can describe him. He's lanky and he's long. He's a good uh, matchup nightmare defender, and he can hit threes. But he cannot bang around in the paint with with big power forwards, and that's what he essentially he's been tasked to do. And he's held his weight, uh, you know, at Creighton and at St. John's, you know pulling down boards and scoring. But I think you're right. The the big, the level of, of physicality that Xavier brought finally caught up with him and he struggled. Uh, on the flip side, I, I'm really disappointed with the way that Corey Floyd Jr. has played. There were some serious uh, three-point shooting aspirations uh, coming into the year with Corey Floyd. And, you know, last year he played well uh, in conference play, right? And I'm not going to chalk that up to different coach, different system, because he played fewer minutes with Ed Cooley. So you really can't, you know, attribute that to Cooley's offense or Cooley's defense, right? Floyd had to earn his minutes. Now he gets minutes and he struggles to shoot. I mean, he did make a three and I think he really needed to see that go through the net, but otherwise uh, offensively, he's not the player that we once saw. He's not the player that was advertised in the off season. So that's been really disappointing too. I'm going to take this uh, role-playing analysis a step further and say that Garway uh, needs to to find something offensively. He is a really good distributor. He is a really good ball yeah. handler. But in yesterday's loss, he had zero assists and two turnovers and only two points. Right, like that's if. If you want to earn playing time, if you want to be a starter, that can't be your stat line. It just can't. Uh, and one other thing before I, I hand the mic back over to you, Peter. Sorry, I'm rambling. Very but, good. Uh, Rich Barron. Rich Barron comes in in the first half and makes an immediate impact. He slides into that nice wide open corner three. He has the nice little reverse lay in that was a goaltend, you know, picked up a rebound. Why wasn't he playing more? Why, why don't we give him? more playing time. I understand that he's a freshman, but he has a thick build. He's strong. He can shoot the shit out of the ball. Like if Hopkins is gone and we need someone to be physical in that wing position, it might not, he might not be the power forward, but we need a physical scorer out there. 
why doesn't Rich Barron get more minutes? That is probably the most, you know, mm-hmm. mind-boggling thing about yesterday's loss is Rich came in, made an immediate impact, and then sat the bench most of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Rich Barron is good. I, I don't know how long. Like, I, I agree. I think Rich Barron, sorry, I think Rich Barron is going to be very good and i think he has shown to be good in flashes does can he play 30 minutes is he in shape enough i'm not trying to say he's not in shape but you know what i mean like it's just no, it, different level but i agree i do i think you're at the point of the season and even in the during the game against xavier on saturday that you got to go with who's hot right like mm-hmm. even if it's the most funky looking lineup ever like i don't care at this point i don't i don't if it works it works and i do think english is trying to find something we saw that in the st john's game yeah like he's trying to find something that works uh and so far in the last four games with bryce without bryce hopkins because i'm going to count seed hall he didn't have bryce hopkins for the whole yeah. second half which is a huge factor obviously uh obviously you still could have won the game but they didn't have him but the last four games or three let's say three and a half games without bryce hopkins um you have struggled to find consistency, right? And I look, did I do I think our offense was good yesterday? No. I thought first half offensively were good. 40 point. If you score 40 points and a half in the Big East, you are going to win most games. The problem is we scored 25 in the second half. Yep. And I think that's a major issue. And you and I think we have talked so much that it's probably drove you and I crazy about the inconsistencies with the offense. Mm-hmm. We, we know it, right? They're inconsistently on offense. But something that is starting starting to happen with the absence of Bryce Hopkins is the lack of defense. And it finally showed up again, finally like took it to another level on Saturday and save you gave up 41 points in the first half. And then you proceed to give up 44 points in the second half. Our offense is not good enough to keep up with that. Right. Yep. I think we're look, are we, are we closer to the 40 point offense, 40 point offense in the first half or 25 in the second half? We're probably closer to the 25 in the second half to be, Honest, I do think we're more of in the middle of the 30s kind of offense. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Sit at 65, right? Usually it looks a little cleaner with not 40 and 25, but we usually sit around 65 to 70. That's like who we are. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. 85 points at home cannot happen. Right. You cannot follow up 41 points in the first half. You're like, okay, we did not play good defensively. Let's make some adjustments. Let's change how we are because we know offensively, most likely we're not going to drop another 40. That's just not who we are, and you can't expect us to be something that we're not. But then defensively, you go into the second half, and you drop, and you give up 44 points. This team's defense has completely fallen apart. And yep. offense is going to get all the headlines, right, from the fans, from the beat reporters, from you and I. They're getting, it always, Offense always gets the headlines most of the time. You're struggling to score. That's why you didn't win. Why didn't you score 86? But that is not realistic for who we are. We are not going to score 86 points. We didn't score 86 points with Chris Dunn and Ben Bentle. Like That's just not who – Chris Dunn's an NBA, but like, that's just not who we are. And that's right. not how the Providence is ever built. And that's how not most Big East teams are built. They're built on defense. And Providence, for the first three, first 75% of the year, that the games that we played out of the 16 we played – no, 17 we played, 13 of them, we were a really good defensive team. And we have all of a sudden have turned into a very poor defensive team. And that is something – that we're missing with Bryce Hopkins. And I get it. We're missing his scoring, but we're missing his defensive rebounding. We're missing his offensive rebounding. And we're missing yep. his length and physicality on defense that I don't think outside of Galway Dual and Devin Carter and maybe Josh Aduro we have on this team. I don't think we have 
legit defenders on this team outside of those three guys. And I don't know if I fully trust Josh Adoro defensively against the better big man in the Big East. Right. And, you know, it, keep in mind, 54 of Xavier's 85 points came from Desmond Claude, Quincy Oliveri, and Trey Green. And those are backcourt players. So as good of a defender as Bryce Hopkins was before his season ended, he doesn't fix that. That's the backcourt. Yeah. That's 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 Devin Carter. That's Jaden Pierre. Yeah. That's Garway Dual, and that's Corey Floyd Jr. So I think your your post your point is totally well taken, right? Especially on the rebounding front. And, you know, in terms of front court defense, we're missing Hopkins because his his defensive intensity really took a step up, <clears throat> excuse me, in the offseason. Um, but this Xavier game, I mean, the guards were shooting lights out. And at one point or another, you, you, you got to hold the guys accountable that were at fault here. And it's the backcourt defenders on Providence. Um, one note uh, separately on the offense, and, and while you were talking, I pulled this up. Credit to Matt St. Jean for finding this. But do you know how many field goals Providence made in the second half? Probably can't be that much, but what is it? Six. It's not that much. <laughs> we made five field goals from two. We made one, six three, shots. Yeah, one three-pointer, and we went 12 for 17 from the free-throw line. That is how Providence scored 25 points in the second half. Six shots? Six for 24. How many shots did we make in the first half? Let's put it in retrospect. Uh, I'd have to find that separately. Okay. Never mind. I'm to put you on the spot. Well, if you think about it, we made 32 shots. No, we made 21 total shots. So we uh, made 15 in the first half. I'm 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 going to take this a step further. Guess which players combined for the six made field goals in the second half. I'm not looking at the box score. So, who were the six the players? How many players were there? Two. Okay. The, one was Devin Carter. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Josh Oduro. Yes. So, Devin Carter and Josh Oduro each split the six field goals in the second half, and the only other Friars that scored in the <laughs> second half were Ticket Gaines, who made two free throws, and Garway Duell, who made two free throws. The entire second half was carried by Josh Oduro and Devin Carter. That's just a, a, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. No. Basketball is a team sport. And I uh, listen, the, we lost arguably our best player in Bryce Hopkins, mm-hmm. right? Our best all-around player. So understandably, the team is still working to find its footing and things are going to look different. But with that said, we have seen other guys on this team step up and score. And I'm talking other guys outside of Devin Carter and Josh Oduro. I don't know what happened to the rest of the team, but we can't count on two guys to carry our scoring load the rest of the way. That's just that's just unacceptable. I know they're two of the three leading scorers on the team, but other guys got to step up is the bottom line here. And quite frankly, given you know the the money through NIL that's funded to these guys now and the, the facilities and the resources that these guys get, it's, there's really no excuses as to why other guys aren't scoring. Yeah. And and the one frustrating thing sometimes when college about college basketball 
and you don't get this in professional sports. And maybe this is also a good reason that you don't get this, but trades. Obviously, it's not realistic, and I'm, I'm totally joking here, but there's nothing you can do with the roster you have now, right? Like in the NBA or in the NFL or MLB, Oh, I want. I need. I need another starter pitcher for the stretch run. Oh, I need another. I need another uh, lefty bat or football. I need another corner. I need I, my my corner went down. I need another corner. That's not how that works in college basketball, right? So yeah. that's why one, your roster is super important coming into the year, and two, injuries are more, I, I guess, more painful to swallow depending on who you lose at what point of the season and for how long, right? We saw for Xavier, and I know they won, but they're eight and eight, right? And they're not trending in the direction they want to be. Maybe they pick it up, but without Fremantle, they don't have a post presence. They don't have yep. a player. So they're in a different situation because of that. And so we are not saying stuck. I'm not trying to be rude, but we are. This is the roster we have for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. And there's nothing you can do about it. And if this team wants to get back on track, and I'm not even talking about NCAA tournament because I can't even put that out there yet. And if you want to talk about it, go for it. But I'm talking about getting a win on Wednesday because we are at the point where. You and I can always look ahead, and fans can always look ahead because you and I are not playing in the game. So whatever we say really means half the time nothing when it comes to looking ahead. But this team doesn't mean shit. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Or interesting. Uh, that's how you put it, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say nice way, but I don't know if it's a nice way to put it. But at the poll on uh, yeah, Wednesday, I'm trying to get the days right here, um, you got to get back on track. Like it's one game at a time. And I know you got Seton Hall after that, which is another another tough game, right? But you have to look at one game at a time. And I know you beat the Paul. It's not a resume win. I don't care at this moment. You you have to find a way to get victories, right? Yeah. Because if you and I are talking on Thursday night, Joe, about a loss to or you guys listening Friday morning, but talking Thursday night about a loss to DePaul, it's over. That that like is. We were, we were at the Saturday was like if a hundred percent was a must win. Saturday was like an eighty nine. Right, like you got a B plus. That's what, like, eighty nine must and the percentile. I don't know where I'm going with this graph here, but eighty nine percent to a must win out of the hundred. I don't know where I'm going here, but hundred uh, percent must win. The poll's like a ninety nine point nine, right? Like technically, it's not a hundred because nothing's a hundred until the unless you need a win to make that NCAA tournament. Right. So you're you're the closest because if you lose to the poll on Wednesday, we probably can kiss anything goodbye. And you have to, you have to one, find a way to get that to your 12th win on the season, mm-hmm. find a way to get your third conference win and find a way to get this team back on track. Right. No, you're, you're right. And look, to, to, to put things in perspective here, right. Uh, I, I mean, you, you were texting me yesterday, so, you know, I was under the, the world is falling uh, category or the world is ending category. This guy is falling. I was, I was like, the season's over. I still think there's like a 2% chance that things can turn around because this is really Providence's first bad loss of the season. We lost to Kansas State, which now has 12 wins and is third in their conference. We lost to Oklahoma, which is a top 10 team. And we lost to Seton Hall, who is standing at the top of the conference right now. Creighton's ranked. St. John's will likely be ranked at some point this season. Really, the only loss that on our on our schedule right now, the only loss that is bad in terms of resume is yesterday's loss to Xavier. Otherwise, the other losses are justifiable. Not to mention, we have some wins that are are really traveling now. Wisconsin is really good. Uh, yeah. 
Georgia almost knocked off Tennessee yesterday. And mm-hmm. Georgia, Georgia's loss to Tennessee yesterday is its first loss since we beat them. Yeah, Georgia's so good. Georgia turned things around, and they're pretty good now. We obviously we beat Marquette by 15. We beat a good Butler team. So there are good resume wins that this Providence team has. And right now there's only one really glaring resume loss. So as much as myself included, the a majority of the fan base was like the sky is falling yesterday. That's not necessarily true because there is opportunity. Now, if the team that shows up yesterday shows up for the remaining, uh, I don't know how many games, for the remaining slate of the Big East schedule, <laughs> then the season's over. But if you know the team that showed up in the second half against St. John's and the team that showed up in the second half against Creighton shows up, I think there's a, there's a fighting chance. I'm not going to say that it's going to happen because right now I think we're on the wrong side of the bubble, but I'd say there's a fighting chance, and it starts Wednesday at DePaul. DePaul is terrible. Uh, I, I've been saying this for almost a decade now that DePaul should get annexed from the Big East. I, I think that DePaul is an embarrassment to the conference. They suck. They don't win games. They lose almost every game in the conference, and they're just terrible. Mm-hmm. With that said, you can't go out to Chicago and lose to them. That you, you absolutely cannot do that. I feel bad for Tony Stubblefield. I think he's a, a hard nosed worker. You know, uh, he's a young guy. He's a young head coach, like trying to, to make his way with a, a program that's been in the gutter for years. But if you don't go in there and beat DePaul by at least ten points, th- 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 there's something seriously, seriously wrong. Like we, you cannot in by any stretch of the imagination lose that game because if you do then you kiss the season goodbye yeah and i was we were joe we had the before we start talking with the paul again but we had that conversation off air right like you had the mindset yesterday and i think a lot of people did and i was probably closer to that than some people but maybe not as far as you but that the season's fallen right mm-hmm. uh but I agree with you. There's not a lot of bad losses on this season. Obviously, if you keep losing games, you know, we, we can stop talking about bad losses because then you just lost too many games and then it doesn't really matter at that point. But everything's one, obviously, the beauty of college basketball is that anybody can always make the NCAA tournament, right? Mm-hmm. You can always win your conference tournament. But if we're not, right. if we're there's always that safety net. Yes. But if we're putting conference tournament aside, because we know it's an absolute crapshoot with the Big East tournament, sometimes the usually. The best team usually sometimes doesn't win the Big East tournament just because it's kind of who hot, who is hot in that three to four day stretch mm-hmm. at the end of the week. That's literally how it works, which is why it's awesome. Right? That's why conference tournaments throughout college basketball are awesome. But Joe, everything's in front of us. It's just what team is showing up to these games. Is it the team that beat Wisconsin? Is it the team that came back against St. John's? Is it the team that came back against Creighton? Is it the team that almost beat Kansas State, the team that beat Georgia. Is it that type of team, or is it the team that we saw on Saturday? Because I agree with you. If it's a team we saw on Saturday, we can kiss the season goodbye. Yeah, Because it's, this team is probably winning another four games max, maybe five, if they play like they did yesterday. Uh, which I don't think they're going to play like they did yesterday. I'm not saying they're going to go make a huge run here. But I don't think they're going to play like they did yesterday uh, throughout the rest of the season. It's just, can this team find some level of consistency? Do you have to win three in a row? No. Go win two out of three. Go win three out of four, right? Like, 
Yep. You go win three out of four, and all of a sudden you're 14 and seven. Right? Like, yeah. and you're and you're kind of you're kind of back in the race in the big east. You're back in the race for maybe a five seed in the big east. You're back in the race for the NCAA tournament. Because the one great thing about playing in such a tough conference is that the wins you get always improves your resume outside of this year, DePaul and Georgetown, right? Right. It, it may be even Xavier, actually. But maybe at, maybe with the time when we play Xavier on the road, they are a bubble team. Like, I don't know. that They could go be going in the right direction, and we, we caught them at a terrible time while we're playing some terrible basketball. Everything is in front of you, right? And that's one. It's very exciting. It's also a little scary because everything's in front of you. But everything can come also crashing down again, right? Like right. they lost four in a row. Is this have they <clears throat> have they hit rock bottom? I hope so. Because if they hit rock bottom, the only way, only thing they can do next is go up. It can't right. get worse than this. It kind of can. We'll see the Paul Wednesday. Then we hit rock bottom. Uh, but I'm hoping this is rock bottom. And I'm I'm hoping yesterday for the staff, for the players, and the province basketball community as a whole was a wake-up call. Because I don't think losing at St. John's was a wake-up call. No. St. loss was not a wake-up call. At Creighton was not a wake-up call. No. Losing by 25 while you were three, three-and-a-half-point favorites to a team that was below 500. That's a wake-up call. Is a wake-up call. Yep, I agree. That, it, that is – Yeah. It's that's not even a wake-up call. That's that's a pot of boiling water poured on your head while you're sleeping. And I, 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 know, I know the, the – it's a, a bucket of ice water. That's why I'm saying it's it's a brutal wake up call. It's boiling water poured on your face while you're sleeping, like it, terrible. Um, but you're right, Peter. You make a really good point that everything is still ahead of us. Um, we have a chance uh, to split with a ranked Creighton team. We have a chance to split with what should be a ranked St. John's team. Uh, Butler is really good. We have a chance to sweep them. We have a chance to split or sweep, although it's unlikely, the defending national champions in UConn. We have a chance to split or sweep Villanova, which you know is a team that I personally think is wildly inconsistent, but they have the wins to back them up. We have a chance next week to split with a good Seton Hall team that sits alone atop the conference right now. So opportunity, oh, and not to mention a chance to, to split with or sweep Marquette, which is ranked, and you have a vengeance uh, game against Xavier. So opportunity is there. Uh, and it, it's one of those years in the conference where, you know, if you saw Lunardi's uh, most recent projection, I think he came out before the loss yesterday, Lunardi projected seven teams as locks, the top seven in the Big East, and Providence was included in that. This is a This is a year where... Uh, if things go as they should, the Big East should be highly represented in the NCAA tournament, which means that wins over the top seven are going to to travel and take you a long way. You just have to get the wins first. Um, I think what also helps is you get right against DePaul on Wednesday, and then you have a week off before you go to Seton Hall. Um, Granted, it's back-to-back road games, but... There's seven days in between, and I think that is so important right now because coming out of the last, uh, you know, week plus long stretch, right? We win, at, we win at home against Butler, and then we don't play for the entire Christmas week, and then until after New Year's against Seton Hall at home, we came, we we came out of that with a flat tire, uh, and 
not to mention then Bryce Hopkins gets hurt. So now we have two flat tires. We need a get right. We need a one. We need a get right win against DePaul. And then you need a week to regroup and figure out what's been going wrong. So this is a very favorable, you know, seven to 10 day stretch ahead here, right? It's, this is where you have to really optimize and turn the season around. And I know we've been saying that for a couple of days now about turning points, but we need to turn it around against DePaul and then carry that momentum against Seton Hall. And then next Saturday or two Saturdays from yesterday, you have Ed Cooley returning to town with the Georgetown Hoyas. And it, that w- that is going to single-handedly be the rowdiest environment in that building and probably over two or three decades, uh, hands down. If you can't win mm-hmm. with that crowd behind you, pack it up. Yeah. And I can't, Joe, I know, I know you're not trying to do this, but I can't even look that far at the moment, right? It's, I know, I know. It's, I know, I know. And it's a great game, right? But it's like, and I guess even if we're still struggling heading into that game, uh, and depending on where we are, it's still very important because it's the Ed Cooley return. But I think I think we I think I said this on air on when I mean on air when we're recording last episode uh, that like we have our own issues, and clearly we have our own issues, and clearly Georgetown has their own issues, and mm-hmm. there's a bigger picture outside of the Ed Cooley return, and, and I, I know you know that. Um, but no, look, I'm gonna say it again. Everything's in front of this team. It's just. It's tough to think everything's in front of this team based on how we play, right? Like that's that's the one issue. It's who shows up because I'm gonna it's I'm gonna have to keep saying this again. You said it when you can't have or you can't rely on Devin Carter and Josh Adora to score sixty combined points because that's just not realistic. Like that's just not gonna happen every night, and none of them are even averaging close to thirty points a game in the year. Right? Like that's just. That's just not realistic, but this is what this team is currently relying on unless they get another consistent option. And it doesn't have to be another guy, Joe, dropping 20 points. It can be a guy with 8, 7, 11, 12. Like, it just needs – this team needs to come together. It's time to call the old-fashioned – when you're in the NFL, when teams are struggling, your players meeting. Yeah. Players meeting, and the team needs to – and we also probably need a staff meeting as well. Uh they and then they obviously come together, but they gotta they gotta ask themselves who do they want to be, because we, we said it a million times today. It's kind of like the theme of the show, almost everything's still in front of this team. Everything's still out in front. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to be? Everything can be out in front, and you could come crashing down, or everything can be out in front, and you can go make a great run, and you can go win twenty games, and you can be an NCAA tournament team. And we are talking, and we will remember this four game stretch. And you and I won't be talking about this. But right. who, who do we want to be? Who does this team want to be? Because is this Devin Carter's last year in Providence? It's looking like that. Josh Adoro and Ticket Gaines are graduating. Like, Is this how they want to go out playing college basketball? I know it sounds really dramatic. No, but it's the it, truth. But it's it's where this team is currently at. Um, and I'm going to look towards more the veteran guys, Josh Adoro, Devin Carter, and Ticket Gaines. Uh, and those guys need to come together, bring the group together. And there needs to be collective effort from everyone. If you play two minutes, if you play 25 minutes, this team needs to figure out how to gel together because currently they are not gelling together. It seems like it's when the offense breaks down, Joe, it's just ISO basketball. And that is not right. good. There has to be a system in place. And I haven't seen it yet. 
there has to be a system in place when there's eight to 10 seconds on the shot clock and we're just dribbling in place. It just becomes, it happens way too much. And I, I, it's going to be interesting. It's exciting. And it's terrifying at the same time, Joe, Yeah. but where this team goes from here, because it could be a great story or the story could have already been written. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Um, the, the future is still ahead of us. Uh, we're on the road again on Wednesday. You just right now the, the the most important thing that this team needs to do is win on Wednesday. That that is priority number one. Get back in the win column. Um, the last time, aside from when Cooley was cheating on Providence with Georgetown last season, the last time that this team suffered a losing streak longer than three was during the 2012-2013 season. So I don't know what it is about these back-to-back seasons where we've got these four-game losing stretches, but it, you, you got to stop the bleeding because that team in 2012-2013 went 17-14, and 9-9, and nine and went to the NIT. So stop the bleeding, win on Wednesday against DePaul. If you don't, we're going to be – you know, there's going to be no optimism. Right. And I think we started when we were doing our off air prep, like on the negative side, and we talk ourselves into this positive mindset of everything's ahead. If you lose at DePaul, there's, there's no more positivity, right? Like there's that the season's gone. Yeah, no, the season's gone. If you lose with that, that's the one thing about college basketball, because it technically it's not just based off what you still have in, well, in I know, front of you, but I really don't want to be saying that again, Thursday night. Um, when you hit record, smack, come over here and smack me, Joe. If I have to, if we keep saying everything's in front of us, because I'm probably gonna lose my mind. Yep. Um. But no, yeah. Wednesday is just it's do or dies is very dramatic, but they're at the point where it kind of is. And then, like I said a couple minutes, minutes ago, they gotta kind of see who they are, and we'll find out. It's a nine o'clock start, though. It's obviously Central Time, so it's eight o'clock at the Paul. Um. But no, like I agree. You you have you have a break in between the DePaul and the Seton Hall game. I know it's back to back road games, but you have like you said, Joe. You have you have a nice seven day break. So I don't know. I don't know where else to go from here. But I think Wednesday's probably where we see if this team has it's it's like a gut check time for this yeah. team. Like, who do they like? Who do they want to be? When Wednesday is a major gut check. Um, we're actually we're really lucky that this is the point in the schedule where you get to play DePaul because. This yeah. is the point in the schedule where the team really needs a bounce back. So Providence plays DePaul on Wednesday. Game's at 9 o'clock on FS1. I hope to God it is a win. Um, any other closing thoughts, Peter? Yeah, my final thing is, and I said this earlier in the show, defense, right? I, I, I think offense is going to struggle without Bryce Hopkins. I mean, kind of knew that was coming. I think this defense has to kind of find an identity again. And they have to become a tough, gr- gritty, grinded out defense right. because they have completely lost that identity. And they're starting to let teams run and score all over them. And I don't think that's who this team is as a whole. I don't think that's Kim English as a whole or staff. Like that's not exactly how they want to play. Yeah. And I think they need to find a way to grind this kind of season out and get back on what was helping them so much earlier in the year and why they were winning so many or why they were winning games. It was because of defense. I think they have to get back to that identity. Absolutely. Uh, re 
define your defensive identity, fix the holes on offense, and for Christ's sake, just please win against Paul. <laughs> it's not it's not a lot to ask. It's really not. All right. That's going to do it from us here at Providence POV. I said it before. We played DePaul on Wednesday. It is a must-win game. For Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Thank you, as always, for listening. This podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise. Go check us out, house-enterprise.com. Thank you for listening, and go Friars. Go Friars.